this service this morning, and especially if you are a guest with us today. We're so glad to have you here with us. Our hope and our our prayer that you're blessed by the presence of the Lord today. And I want to I want to thank uh, brother and sister Valley. <laughs> We're now in this this phase uh, where there's some names at Antioch that uh, it's now a new generation of. And uh, the new generation, my wife and I have been through this. Somebody said, hey, Brother Wright, not, not anymore, but used to for years, took years. Hey, Brother Wright, and I'm like, Where? I didn't know my dad was around. Where's my dad? And my, my wife would do the same thing. Hey, Sister Wright, and she's looking for, for Mother Wright, but not anymore. So anyway, all that to say, um, brother, brother Darius and his wife, Sister Linnea, we welcome them. We, uh, we've got drummers all over the place today. So uh, he came down from Antioch North to help out, and uh, man, it's awesome! It's awesome being a part of a body. Uh, if you're if you're not really familiar with us, we have two other congregations that are all under the the same banner of of Antioch, and one of them is in uh, Baltimore, and they're a part of Antioch North. But uh, brother and sister Simpson are so kind to share their resources, and we try to do the same. So. We appreciate that, and then I also want to uh, I want to welcome Sister uh, Angelica Cardina this morning, who is here with her daughter Nadia, who is a new plebe at the Naval Academy. Amen. She just started this summer, and we are excited uh, about that. And so, if you get a chance to uh, to introduce yourself to them and and. Uh, Nadia, let her know we're happy to have her. You you won't see a whole lot of her over the next little while because uh, if you're not familiar with the academy and plebe summer, she's she's sort of in um, incarceration for a couple of months. Uh, but at some point in the future, that'll let up some, and uh, you'll get to. But she's she's uh, Lord willing, about to be here for for four years, and uh, family's from California and. So we're excited about having her and getting a chance to help support her and 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 uh, whatever else the Lord might be able to do through her during her time at the Naval Academy. And uh, needless to say, many of you know that uh, in a lot of different ways, there's connections with Antioch and the Academy. Not only did uh, Bishop Wright, my dad, the founding pastor, graduate there, our uh, our fourth, next to my parents and myself, our fourth most senior staff members, a Naval Academy grad, and there's Naval Academy grads that have gone from here, Brother Boyer's a Naval Academy grad, so, you know, we, I know some of you weren't privileged to be in the Navy, you had to serve in lesser branches. I wasn't even in the Navy, and it's just in my DNA, I can't help myself, I didn't even serve. I didn't even serve, and I still know that the Navy was the best. I don't, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> oh, praise God. Amen. You may be seated. I, I, want you to, I want you to be seated when I read my text because I don't want the disruption this morning of the reboot that happens. And funny thing is, I'm going to let you be seated. I'm not even going to read a whole verse. I make you stand when I read whole chapters, and so this is really going to balance some of that out. 
But again, I, I, I want this to be able to just kind of just sink in. I haven't, I'll just tell you right off the bat, I haven't come today with a deep theological revelation to impress you with. But it's kind of amazing. There are some very fundamental, basic things that become old hat to us, and we still haven't fully grasped them. I don't know what it was in the last couple of days, but this is what the this is what I feel like the Spirit of the Lord laid on my heart for this morning. First John chapter four and verse number ten. I I, I want you to. I want you to, I'm going to read this kind of slower than normal. And I want, I want you to try to just let these words sink into your spirit. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us. Today's English version says it like this. This is what love is. It's not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. Herein... Is love. Not that we love Him. But that He. Loved and loves us. Of course the verse goes on to say that. That love was demonstrated by Him. Sending His Son. To die for us. And I don't have time to get into all this. If you've never heard this before. But. We, we don't believe that His Son was the second person of the Trinity, that, that he, he, he came. He took on flesh and came. I, I, I've said it, I can't help but stay on it now for a moment. But if, I, if you're a guest this morning, the guy that was on the keyboard uh, leading and singing and playing is, is my youngest and uh, if if you were if your life was in danger and I and I came to you and I said hey I, I I love you and I care about you I care about you so much I'm gonna I'm gonna send my son to die for you what would you think of me? Sure, if I gave my son that that sort of cost me, but there's a that's a whole different cost. The genuine expression of my love would be me. Not sending some. I love you, so I'm going to send someone. It would be me coming. So we don't believe that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came. We believe that God robed Himself in flesh. So herein is love that God came. John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and then it says that the Word became flesh. God took on human form and walked among us. And herein is love. Not that you and I love God. But that God would love us. 
feel like we're, we're living in a day in, amongst Christianity where, where we're giving out more and more merit badges to Christians for being a Christian. You have faith in God if you've got some commitment to God and you're a part of a church and you participate in that church with some level of faithfulness that, that you, are, you, 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 you deserve an award. Are you kidding me? it's not that i got to be here this morning. I'm not here. It's not that, oh, I I had to be here, so I'm here. It's I I, I get to be here. I get to enter into the presence of a holy, righteous, perfect, just, pure God, knowing that I am anything but all of that. Again, if you're new here today or newer and maybe don't know a whole lot about us or me yet, I, my parents started this church. I was born a year or so after they came to Annapolis to start this church. I've been in church all my life. I haven't always been as on fire for God as I should be, but I, I never stopped coming. I never wandered as some have, and thankfully God has brought them back and others He will bring back. I haven't, I haven't done some of the things some of you've done. I, I've never done drugs. I've never tasted alcohol. I've never, I've never, literally never even had a taste of alcohol. I've never smoked a cigarette. I, I've never done any of those things. I was a virgin when I got married. Pretty, pretty boring, bland guy. I say that with total sarcasm. My point is... God doesn't have a scale of rating sin. And my resume of sin that may not be as bad as your resume of sin does not make me one bit more worthy of anything than you. It doesn't make me any better. The scripture says all have sinned and come. It didn't say what kind of sin. It said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So while I may not have done some of the same things you did, but for the grace of God, I would have done the same thing. So it's not about what what you did or didn't do really it's ultimately about your perspective that i don't deserve his love any more than anybody else does i look in the mirror and i know my faults and i know what goes on in my head I know the roller coaster of faith that I ride, of confidence and trust and certainty in God. God's in control and everything's working out for the good. And then the next moment, God, I've said it recently, but I'm rereading through Psalms over the last couple of months. And I am so greatly encouraged by the roller coaster ride that a great man like David was on. That within the same psalm, you find this fluctuation of confidence. God is my, my help. God's my deliverer. God's, God, God's my protector to Him all. God, where are you? God, you, have you forgotten about me? I, I, some of y'all may live up there all the time in faith, but a bunch of us don't. So if nothing else... 
My wife and I are high school sweethearts, and when we were dating in high school, throughout high school, there were times I, 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 I was a little unsure if she still liked me. Of course, I think we probably said love, but I had no idea what love was in high school when it came to a dating relationship. I know I may offend somebody with this, but I'm not sure you really know love until after you're married. Because the bottom line is until you say I do, you kind of have an out. So you know what? I love you as long as everything you're doing is what I like. But when you start, you know, you put on a few extra pounds, don't look as good as you used to look, I might be shopping for the next one. That's not love. Love says, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, keeping yourself for her only, for him only, so long as you both shall live. By the way, if you didn't know it, one of the symbols of what you and I are is a bride. So one of these days I may get to preach a message and stick with the notes, but today's apparently not that day either. There's a whole lot of people, oh my goodness, where in the world? There's a whole lot of people that love being in a dating relationship with Jesus. Let's go on some dates here and there, and then when we're done, you know, we'll go our separate ways. I mean, I love you, and I, I, I'm really attracted to you, but I, you know, I, 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 we just... Some of you need to get a death till death do us part mentality with Jesus. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. I'm forsaking all others. I'm forsaking the world. And I'm going to live for you only until I die. There were times in high school and, and uh, our, our, our head usher is one, was one of my high school best friends. We still continue to be great friends, best friends all these years. That's a pretty amazing thing. to You know, usually you part ways after high school a lot of times. But, and and he, was, you know, he was the one I used a number of times. Hey, do, do me a favor. Can you go ask her if, at first it was go ask, you know, if you like me. And then it became, go, go ask her if she still likes me. And the next very important part of that conversation was, don't tell her that I'm asking. I don't know how well he did that part or not, but he, he would come back with a report. Can you imagine what our relationship would be like if, number one, if I just on my own kept having to ask her for reassurance. Do you still love me? But even worse, can you imagine what it would be like if I was still calling Vernell and say, hey, man, I need you to do me a favor. Would you go ask my wife and definitely don't let her know? And what an amazing thing when you can develop a confidence that He loves you no matter what's going on. No matter what your circumstances are. No matter if, if things are going good or bad. If you're having a great day. If you're having a bad day. If you're on the mountaintop of faith. Or if you're in the valley of doubt. It doesn't matter. He loves me. 
Some of y'all need to go find yourselves a four-leaf clover this afternoon, and you need to sit down and start picking the little pebbles, pe- not pebbles, petals off. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. There, there isn't any. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He, lo- he loves me. He loves me. Herein is love. Not that I love him. Not that I get to love him. But that he would love someone like me. He said to his children, the children of Israel, in the process of calling them in Deuteronomy 7 verse 7, the Lord did not see that the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. But he chose you because he loved you. As I preached last Sunday morning, As an individual, you are worth something. You are valuable. But you are and never will be worthy of anything from God. They didn't become His people because they had earned the right to be His people. He said, I chose you because I loved you. Herein is love. Not. Why would you want to do anything else but love Him? Why would you want to do anything else but that? On our end of it, it ought to be a given. But herein is love that He loved us. John 15, verse 16, He said, You haven't chosen me. You haven't chosen me. I love that phrase we use, that statement that people often make when they get saved. Well, I found God. You did not find God. He has never been and never will be lost. You find what is lost. He wasn't lost. You didn't find Him, but thankfully, He found you. You don't come to repentance because you decided to come to repentance. You come to a place of repentance because He draws you to that place. You didn't choose me, He says. I chose you. Why? Why me? Why in the world would you choose me? See, there, there, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of a struggle, and you you get there if you if you got saved as an adult. I think you get there, but there's a little bit of a, tr- a struggle. I think that those of us that grow up in church and stay in church deal with, and and that is when when we make mistakes, and we all will make mistakes. We have this 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 extra load of condemnation that weighs on us that you know better. Not that everyone doesn't know better. But some of you didn't have the opportunity to grow up in a, in a family that the Bible is what, what, what led and guided your family. You didn't live by the Word of God. So, so you, you, you hadn't really been taught yet. But, but a bunch of us, we, we started this thing, Sunday school, from the, from soon as we could go. And, and we've been in church and we've gone to camps and conferences. And we know... Man, when I do mess up, and I do mess up, 
I, I know better. And then others, I'm not the only one, but I, I will tell you as a pastor, it, it's kind of a double whammy. Not only do you know better, but man, you're the pastor. So we may come at it from a little bit different perspective, but I, I stand here today and say, herein is love. Not that I love him. How could I do anything else but love him, but that he would choose to love me? 1 John 3 verse 1 says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. If you don't really know it, can I just tell you that when it's talking about sons there, it's not talking about gender as far as human beings. It's talking about a relationship. And, 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 and basically, as a collective body, we are the bride of Christ. And as individuals, male or female, we are sons of God. But I'll just go ahead. I think I could still be okay saying this. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called His sons and daughters. Of all the things He could have chosen to call us. He could have called us His minions. Not the little yellow things with blue overalls. I figure that's what some of you think of. So in the actual definition of the word, not created by Disney or whoever else, a minion is someone, this is, this is, this is such an applicable definition. This is from the Britannica Dictionary. A minion is someone who is not powerful or important and who obeys the orders of a powerful leader or boss. He had every right to make us his minions, because that's kind of what we are. We don't have power and ability and strength. And he's the boss. He's the creator. He's the boss. I know there's a lot of places it doesn't look like he's the boss, and people don't acknowledge him as the boss, but that's kind of like there were some times when my kids were young, and they were disobeying, and they kept doing it, and, and they thought they were getting away with it, and I was just waiting. My patience is not that I don't know. My patience is not approval. I'm just giving you a little space of grace. Because if you don't change some behaviors here quickly, we will show you that I was paying attention. That's, that God's the same way. Don't mistake God's grace and mercy as approval. Don't mistake God's patience that He's okay with what you're doing and how you're living. But He didn't choose to call us. Minions, and I know in, in throughout Scripture, one of the relationships, one of the mentalities we see and should have is that we are servants. And, and there's some other things. We're, we're a part of God's army. But, but, but John says he called us sons. I got a question. What, what did you do to become a son or a daughter? How much school did you have to go through? How much training did it require? What did you do to have to prove yourself? 
You did one thing, basically, to become a son or a daughter. You know what that was? (sighs) When you took a breath, in that moment, you were instantly a son or a daughter. Just like that. Kind of interesting, Jesus tells John, or Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, the wind blows. The wind blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, and you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Uh, we, we know wind is associated with air, which is associated with breath. So what do you do to become a son of God? You get filled with the breath of God, the Spirit of God. You don't earn sonship. Yes, there are some things that you've got to demonstrate maturity and you've got to demonstrate some knowledge and understanding to be given the freedom to do some things. My, 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 my four kids, all grown now, but all four of them, when they went through the process of getting their driver's license, they were my sons or daughters. There was... But just because they were my daughters and my sons didn't mean, here, here's the key, have fun. They were just as much my daughters and my sons when someone had to be in the passenger seat when they drove. Had nothing to do with who they were. Had to do with the fact there was some knowledge and experience that needed to be gleaned. Don't let your need for knowledge and experience and maturity cause you to question and doubt that you are a son or a daughter. You're not earning sonship. You may be working to to mature to be able to have more freedom and liberty in what God has called you to do. But you were a son. You are a son. You were a daughter. You are a daughter. Herein is love. Jesus is hanging on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, the Bible says, verse 39, and one of the male factors, other gospels call them thieves, one of the thieves which were hanged railed on him saying, and he's just he's echoing what the crowd is saying, if you be Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Do do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, if if you really are who you say and they say you say you are, then save yourself. And oh, by the way, while you're doing that, can we get in on it? The other guy responds, are you, are you kidding me? You and I are here hanging on these crosses because we deserve what we're getting. He hasn't done anything to deserve it. How he did not call angels down from heaven to get him off that cross and, and, and kill every person that was responsible for him being on that cross that you want to talk about grace and mercy. Some of the deepest wounds you can ever get is from the people closest to you. 
The ones you love the most are the ones that have potential of hurting you the deepest. His own creation, the very ones He came to save, have now put Him on that cross. Herein is love. You go to John chapter 3 and verse number 16, which many of you could quote here today. The reason, the reason that He chose to come and provide salvation was not obligation. He wasn't sitting up in heaven and going, well, there's no other option. I guess I got to go. You ever sit around the house when the trash needs to go out? And multiple people know the trash needs to go out? Some you think after 30 plus years and boys that have been old enough to help for 15 plus years, you'd think we'd have it down by now. It's amazing how loud silence can be sometimes. It's amazing how magnified the sound of a trash bag can become when it's taken out in frustration and anger. Well, if none of y'all are taking it out, I'm taking it. It's got to go out. It stinks. I was coming. I promise I was. I was already moving in my head. I'm older now. It takes the body longer time to catch up to the... That wasn't what God did. Well, somebody's got to go die. I guess I have to do it, so I'll go... No, for God... So love. We can say it this way. God loved us so much that He decided to come. Herein is love. Not that we loved Him, but that He loved us. Psalms 103 verse 8 says it like this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Oh, Some of you need to get that this morning. You're all upset about the bad things that have happened to you as a good person. I'm very sorry. You ain't no good person. I know it's not the answer people want to hear, but the simple answer to the question of why do bad things happen to good people, it's a really simple answer. Bad things never happen to good people. you got to have good people for bad things to happen to good people. And according to the Scripture, there's none good but one. And some of you are fussing and arguing with me right now. Well, I... Sorry, but the very best you can come up with is filthy rags, according to Isaiah. He's never dealt with us according to what we deserve. Thank you, Jesus. 
This sanctuary would be empty today, having been neglected for months and months and years. And in fact, it had never been here. If we'd have all been gotten dealt with based on what we deserved. Herein is love, not that I love him, but that he loved me and that he is slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. I've preached for several weeks in a row about the fear of the Lord. There's a verse, and I I don't know, I I kind of forgot this until I came across this again for today. But there's a verse that talks about as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways. But here it says, as high as heaven is above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. Wow. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad of a person you've been, and we're all been bad people, mercy is as high above you as the heavens are. I'm sorry, I don't care how bad you've been, how many mistakes you've made, you can never use up that much mercy. Wow. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And notice it didn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because if you travel north and south, you can eventually reach a point where you now start the other direction. You can only travel north for so long and you hit the north pole. And if you keep going, you're going to start going south. But if you got into an airplane with an infinite supply of fuel, you could fly west and never meet east. There is no point that defines you've now hit east, you're going west. And so it says, as far as the east is from the west, He's removed our transgressions from us. Now watch this. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. The Passion Translation says it like this, verse 9, You don't look at us only to find our faults just so that you can hold a grudge against us. Man, that's good. I know there's nobody in here today like that, but you can always find something to get upset about. He, he, he said, you, you, you don't look at us just to find our faults so you can hold a grudge. You may, dis- you may discipline us for our many sins, but never as much as we really deserve. Nor do you get even with us for what we've done. Higher than the highest heavens, that's how high your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of heaven above is the greatness of your loyal love, towering over all who fear you and bow down before you. Farther than from a sunrise to a sunset. That's how far you've removed our guilt from us. And I'm not a scholar, but I don't agree with that translation there because that's a definite point. East and west keeps going. Listen to this, verse 13. The King James, verse 13, again said, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. The, The Passion Translation says it this way. The same way a loving father feels toward his children. That's but a sample 
that's but a sample of your tender feelings toward us. Your beloved children who live in awe of you. That's just a, a sample. I'll never forget years ago, in fact, about 22 years ago. If you're a guest, we don't have a second floor sanctuary because somebody thought it'd be awesome to have a second floor sanctuary. <laughs> Used to be in a gymnasium outside over there, and the roof collapsed from the snow in 2018, and... We ended up up here. But it's the upper room, so it's a very spiritual place. And I'll never forget that that gymnasium was a full-length basketball court, and we'd set chairs up for services and then use it for our school and fellowship and whatever. And I'll never forget there was a meeting being held. It was, I think at that time, it was called MEET. It stood for Ministers Experiencing Apostolic Truths. And each end of that, you can still see it if you, some of you know what I'm talking about. If you've never noticed it, if you, when you leave today, if you look, if you're facing the building, you look on the left side, there's a brick wall out back. That was the back part of the gym. And so each end of that court, there was a, there was a balcony. And I was standing on the back balcony during one of the sessions, and Timothy was just a few months old. I, I wasn't even consciously aware I was doing this, but... I was holding him, and I guess I had been just kind of staring at him. And at the end of that that service or session, my dad crossed paths with my dad. And he, he said something to me I've never forgotten. I cherish the moment. He said, you know, you know how you felt when you were looking at, at Timothy when you were holding him? I said, yeah, it was a pretty amazing feeling. He said, that's, that's the way I feel about you. That's a sample. Just a sample, Brother McGuckin. Just a sample. Just a sample. That's just a sample of what His love for you and I is like. I, 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 I guess I should go to the other row, end of the row and pick on Him instead of keep picking on you, but I, this this is this Nathaniel's twenty years old and he there there have been some things he's done some dumb stuff, you know that? <laughs> he he's disobeyed me a few times. Not just when he was a toddler either. <laughs> I mean it's been a long time ago. Long time ago. Years ago. You know what's amazing? Just like you, all four of my I've said it before, I'll keep saying I'm thankful for my, my four kids and, and again my dad I'm I'm my I'm fifty one years old my and I'm my dad's kid, so it's just a, just the way it is. I, I my four kids, I thankfully they're serving God, living for God, but they haven't, they haven't been perfect. <laughs> Far from it. It's amazing to me that as a human being, when, when I've, I've found out 
some of the mistakes they've made when they've come to me and confessed some of the things they did that they shouldn't have done. There was never one single time that the thought crossed my mind to tell them, go pack your bags and get out of this house. Don't you ever come back here again. Never. What, what, was, I, was I saddened by what they did? Was I, was I sorry over the fact, and especially not towards me, especially if it was something I believe was based on the Word of God? Absolutely. But not one single time did I think, Get out of this house. I don't want to ever see you again. That is a sample. A sample of how the Heavenly Father is toward you and I. Because at the end of the day, every human being is imperfect, and we don't, we, you and I are not love. There's some sweet people in this place. There's some precious people in this place today. But, but every single one of you, you are not love. You may love, and you may love well, but you aren't love. Because it may be hidden very well, but somewhere there's a button that will reveal the fact that you are not love. I'm thankful that God loves Oh, somebody, please. I, I, I don't think I'm talking to you right now. I think the, the Spirit of the Lord is trying to talk to somebody today. I'm thankful that God loves. But you know what's more wonderful than that? Not just that God loves, but God is love. And the Bible says that in God there is no shadow of turning. There, there is not even the hint of God changing. And so does He love you today? Absolutely. He can't help but love you because He is love. Herein is love. Not that you and I love Him, but that He loves us. You know what the awesome news for every person in this place right now is? You are no less deserving of that love than anyone else in the room. We all are just as undeserving of that love as everyone else. But herein is love. I preached it last Sunday morning in due season. While we were yet sinners, Christ died, willingly died for us, knowing that we may not even take advantage of His death. Herein is love. Not that you and I love Him. But that He loved us. Last passage, and I'm going to... I gave her a heads up in the middle of service. and I'll give her one final heads up. I, I'm going to ask my wife in just a moment to come. And uh, A lot of you ladies were here this weekend and... 
you, you heard Sister Garza speak in her testimony, but as I was feeling after and preparing for this morning and led to these verses, I was like, wow, what an absolutely firsthand testimony, example of these verses. Ephesians 2 and verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you, wherein in time past all of us walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, somebody say all, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. And I wish we could all say that it's all in the past that we fulfill the lust of our flesh. Because we still struggle with that from time to time. Thanks for two or three honest people. <laughs> we walked according to the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. It, it, it was a whole lot easier when you, when you weren't living according to the Word of God. In one sense it was. You just did whatever you felt, didn't, even though at the end of the day you still had a conscience and that conscience still weighed on you. But watch this. We all, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, children of wrath, as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of His great obligation, because of His great duty, because He was the only one, no, but because of His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He's quickened us together with Christ by grace. You are saved. He, he, he didn't do that once we had proven we were worthy of it. He didn't do that once we had earned it. Even when we were still dead, He quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? And then skipping down to the last verse of the chapter, it says, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. The Message Bible says all of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. And then the Passion Translation says this means that God is transforming each one of you into the Holy of Holies, His dwelling place through the power of the Spirit living in you. You get a felony on your record that impacts the rest of your life. Jobs, opportunities, chances that other people have. You get that felony and you're, you you got to live with it. We all had felonies that we ought to have to live with. And not one of us ever had or ever will have the right to be a habitation the Spirit of God. And yet, those of us who were dead in sins, He's quickened not to be minions, but to be a habitation. 
I, I whatever. I, I and again, I I didn't give her any heads up, no notice. So, and she's more than capable. I am well aware. And but but again, those of you that are not aware, ladies' event Friday night and Saturday, and sounds like there was a wonderful time had here. And Sister Garza, one of the pastor's wives in our district, came and spoke, uh, and in the afternoon, and and so. Just whatever comes to mind, whatever she shares, because again, what an amazing testimony and example of this passage. So just to give you an example of Sister Garza, what we saw was a beautiful apostolic lady, probably somewhere in her 50s. She might be 60, but I don't know. She's just so beautiful that she just didn't even look old. Um, Well, wait, 60 is not old. Um, anyway, I digress. I just want you to get what we saw, because ladies, I don't know if I was the only one in the room that was thinking, surely you're reading someone else's story right now. Um, but at 12 years old, her family got in church, but she was a very rebellious young person. And by 14, she, I guess, had basically left home and got involved in drugs and um, started out, I don't know all the levels, and she spoke a whole nother language I know not, but started out essentially like marijuana, you know, whatever, and then from there she got a boyfriend who um, said one day she had worked her way up to speed, and he said, here, you need to try this new speed, and, and it was heroin. And from there she was completely addicted to heroin for years her life was basically one day just blowing through 500 to a thousand dollars worth of heroin the next day being completely sick and then going out and trying to steal more or sell more and buy more and then the next day shooting up again so she literally it was her life for years and um it, it was incredible to hear her testimony, how that God kept her. She remembered so many things from entering an apostolic church at 12 years old that from about 12, from, I think she, if I remember the storyline correctly, it wasn't until she was about 28 or 29 that she turned her life around. She was in prison twice. She was a master thief. (laughs) She just stole and dealt drugs. She had a gun to her head on multiple occasions by drug dealers. Um, It it, it was just a mind-boggling story. But I think one of the things that stood out to me the most was just the incredible love of God that kept drawing her She just was in the prison at one point would wake up and just say, look at this beautiful day. And, and her cellmates and whatever, they were all like, what in the world? There's nothing beautiful about this. And she said it was just God bringing back to her just like what she had learned about him and all the things. Her her brother tells that while she was doing all those things, her mother would just pray and pray and reach the throne of God for her soul. There were so many times that she should have OD'd. There were so many times that, and it was just a miracle she even made it out of prison. 
And then the craziest thing was when she finally got out of prison, her, parole, her brother said, you need to tell the parole officer you're going to go back to school. She quit school at 14 years old. You're going to get a degree. You're going to work in a hospital. And she said she told the parole officer that, and he looked at her and said and laughed and said, once an addict, always an addict. And she said it was like something just came over her like, no, 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 this ex-addict has got the Holy Ghost. And her mind was completely gone. To go back to school was impossible. Her mind was gone. She said she would just space out for hours. She couldn't. I mean, this was after she came back to God. And then one day, God just restored her mind. She went back to school. She got her GED. She went to a technical college. She got a degree. She is now a contractor working for nine hospitals. I just... It was just such a powerful story about the love of God that draws, that just doesn't give up. I think that's what I just felt the most. It just doesn't give up. There's parents today who don't need to give up. But there's people today here that you think God's given up on you. Oh, no. He just keeps drawing and drawing and drawing. Oh, the love that he has for us. It's unending. It's so deep we could never explore its depths. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there's two basic components. The verse we started with says, Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave Himself. The first demonstration and amazingness of His love is that He gave Himself as the sacrifice. But then the second amazing thing is that He would then not just be willing, but He would want to then come and live inside of us. That we who were dead in sins and trespasses could become the place where He lives. I believe there's some people in this place right now, whether you're a guest today or you come here regularly, that it is the will of God for you to leave here today with a fresh new revelation. Herein is love. Yeah, it's wonderful for you to love Him. That's great. But herein is love. That He loves you. I know I, I, know I sing a lot during service. And Josh Lewis says when you're, he wants to be a pastor. Because if you're the pastor, you just sing whenever you want to sing. And perhaps contrary to what you might think, I, I, I don't really... And this is not fishing. I'm not looking for whatever. I, I don't really think I'm a great singer. I, I do like to sing. I will, I'll tell you a little secret. If you ever think that I'm becoming proud and arrogant, 
I'll tell you the only thing you need to do to humble me. Strap me in a chair and play recording of me preaching or recording of me singing. I've been doing this 30 plus years now and I hate hearing myself now just as much as I did 30 years ago. <laughs> but there's a song, it's one of my old favorite singers' songs and actually some of you will recognize it because my mom has sung it through the years. And I just feel like it's a, a fitting message here. I, I want to challenge you as, as I attempt to begin to sing it. If you're willing to acknowledge the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you, ministering to you this morning. I want to invite you to respond to that. Can I be so presumptuous or bold as to say there's people sitting in this place right now that you've been here 20, 30, 40 years and you've still yet to fully accept and grasp what I've preached this morning. So no matter how long you've been here, I plead with you this morning not to let that be the factor in whether or not you respond. And as some by faith... In a few moments, we'll begin to come to this altar. If you're not necessarily one that needs what the Lord is doing right now or speaking, would you then become a conduit for Him to be able to use? Just an old rejected relic on the auction block. They decided to throw me away. The auctioneer asked who will take him. The room grew quiet and still till a stranger stepped forward and he said, I will. If you had known me before I knew him, you'd understand why. I love Him. If you had known me before I knew Him, you'd understand my love. Oh, I hadn't much to offer, just heartaches and tears, and a life that was filled with despair. But for my rags, He gave me riches. For my fear, He traded peace 
from my old life he gave me a blessed release if you had known me before I knew him you'd understand why I love him if you had known me before I knew him you'd understand my love oh if you had known me. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Before I knew Him, you'd understand why I love Him. If you had known me, Before I knew him, you'd understand my... I think a lot of people can relate to this second verse. I hadn't much to offer, just heartaches and tears, and a life that was filled with despair but for my rags he gave me riches for my fears he traded peace from my old life he gave me a blessed release If 